Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Um, I just have a quick video um, and then um, I'll jump back up. Now, I hope in more than one ways you are cringing at that video. I've been prayed that you would be. <laughs> um, whether it was Jesus doing a few bicep curls or him being compared to Batman, um, even though that's um, biblically true, um, <laughs> or all the, the animation, all the, um, the interesting bits in that video. Um, Jesus, you're my superhero. You're my star, my best friend. I can imagine that video being sung at kids' camps or in kids' ministries and they would come back to um, the church on the Sunday service and be like, Mum, Dad, look at the song we learned, and they would sing it every day for the next three weeks. Um, I can just see that happening. Um, 
in many ways, we also go through life expecting Jesus to be our superhero. Um, we expect Jesus um, to give us things because we think that's who he is. So we expect, oh, yes, Jesus will probably promote my business. He would advance my business for me. Oh, house by 22, that would be probably nice. Oh, wedding, yeah, marriage, wife, husband, that would be nice too. Oh, yes, and just money and just a good, good life, probably a yacht by 55 would be nice as well. Um, but in our faith, we also expect Jesus to come in and save us. We expect him to heal us. And we expect him to rescue us just at the right moment. Jesus, you're my superhero. You're my star, my best friend. But what happens when these kids have grown up singing this song and then all of a sudden their friends, um, one of their friends passes away in primary school? Or what happens when their parents get a divorce? Or what happens when they don't get into the uni degree that they want to? Where's the superhero Jesus now? Expectation is the root of all heartache. In the same way, along with many of the other Jews, John the Baptist would have grown up singing these songs of Jesus, this Messiah was going to be our superhero. This Messiah was going to save the Jews from the Romans. This Messiah was going to sweep them up um, out of all the oppression, he was going to come in like Spider-Man and just flick him out of there and they'll save him. There was this Messiah who was going to come in and rule and reign and he'll come in and save them all. But, and we have experienced um, John the Baptist, we've read about him in chapter 3, but this is the first time that we hear about him again since. So in chapter 3, we encountered him being this um, this gallant preacher who is proclaiming this message that the Messiah is coming and we need to be prepared for it. So there's this picture of John. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden we encounter not this type of John, but we encounter a John who's in prison. In Luke 7, verse 18 to 23 is where we'll be reading from today. So we encounter this John here There's not much description in Hebrew narrative at all, but I can imagine this John now. He has dirt on his face. Um, He's got dirt under his nails. He's probably peering out that window. Where is this Jesus? Where is this Messiah? This Messiah who promised to break captives out of jail. This Messiah who promised who would come in and establish his reign. Was, was his cause, was his cause proclaimed for this Messiah? Was it all to waste? So this is the state that we encountered John. And it's, it reads that he had two of his disciples come and visit him. And his disciples were telling Jesus about all the miracles and all the stories that Jesus had been doing beforehand. Because if you think about it, John was in prison exactly straight after he baptised Jesus. So John may not have ever witnessed all the miracles that Jesus has done. So he's been in prison this whole time, only hearing stories of what Jesus is doing. And then his disciples come to him. And as we heard last week, Ian um, mentioned and preached on 
the story of the centurion's servant being healed. So you can also imagine another layer adding to John's discomfort. Jesus, this man who's supposed to be the Messiah, he was healing Romans. That wasn't what John was hoping. He was hoping that this man would overcome the Romans. But here he was, performing a a miracle of grace and mercy on a Roman centurion's servant. So I wonder what John was thinking. And we'll get to the verse here. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord Jesus to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? When I first read this, I was shocked. I'd never come across or noticed this passage before. And he was John, this this amazing priest, the last prophet, and he was having doubts. He was questioning his faith. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the one who's to come to save us all, or should we just wait for someone else who's going to bring in the kingdom with force and, and fiery baptism like John was preaching? So we get to this question, and you can see the heart of John. He was experiencing such discouragement that his expectations were not being met in this person of Jesus. His expectation of who the Messiah should be and what the Messiah should do was not being met. Expectation is the root of all heartache. I remember coming across this quote um, in year 10. I remember I had just uh, realised my, my crush didn't like me back. So expectation, that was all heartache from that. <laughs> and then I realised this week as I went to research um, this quote, it actually wasn't from Shakespeare. So this whole time, my whole life, for five years, I've been going around saying this quote to people and to myself, but it's not even from Shakespeare. Um, when I looked it up on the internet, it was like all most common misquotations of Shakespeare, never a line in Hamlet. <laughs> and I, my heart was aching, literally, because <laughs> I expected that this would be something that Shakespeare would say. It sounds exactly like what he would say. So in the same way, when people don't meet our expectations, our heart aches. And like John, we truly are discouraged when Jesus, our supposed superhero, does not meet our expectations. But why do you think we have expectations of Jesus? It's not like John's expectations were wrong. They weren't misplaced. They were in the gospel. They were in the scriptures that he was reading. They were common expectations. So I don't think expectations are wrong. It's just whether we look where we look to find them and who we look to find them in. And it's interesting, as we pick back up in the story, John sends his disciples to Jesus. And it's really interesting in the first verse. When the men came, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Just to pause on that verse. 
It's interesting that the disciples, um, in the other translations, it said the disciples stumbled upon Jesus <laughs> in the way that um, Jesus was already performing these miracles that were about to happen. They were trying to search for Jesus almost as if they had to wait to come and appeal to him with John's question. Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and had given sight to many who were blind. And then he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. I think this is so strategic of Jesus. He knew this was all going to play out. He knew John was in prison and he knew that John was questioning. He was having this crisis of faith. But the question that John asks, are you the one who is to come? Or are, you wait, or are we to expect another? Jesus knew that wasn't what John was going to ask him. If John wanted to know that Jesus was the Messiah, he would have just said it straight out. And if, Jesus, and if John did ask that question, Jesus would say, yes, I am. But Jesus knew the intricacies of John's doubt. He knew the soft spots and he knew the places where John would be questioning and why. And so in that, not only does Jesus tell them what they've done, but in Hebrew culture, there's a, a, a thing where you need to have two witnesses for anything to be um, accepted. So the reason why John sent two of his disciples was to ensure that their report was true. In the same way, um, they appeal in John's name to be um, messengers properly and um, to be able to testify back to John. So Jesus knew this was all going to play out, and he knew exactly when the disciples were going to come to him, in the midst of him curing all these diseases. And the point being that they became eyewitnesses of these miracles. The disciples walked in at just the right time to be proper eyewitnesses of all these healings. And Jesus says, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. And also Jesus knows that John has an extensive knowledge of the scripture. So all of these references, it's very interesting, all the places that Jesus, by claiming he is doing this, he is referring to all of these prophecies that he is fulfilling. The blind see again, the lame are walking, lepers are being made clean, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised up, the poor have good news proclaimed to them. So Jesus also being like, John, who do you think I am? From what I have done, who do you think I am? I think it's interesting when we have doubts and we have crises of our faith, often I feel the Lord does that for us too. The other night I was going through, um, I was just praying for something to happen for a long time and it just was not happening. I was expecting Jesus to fulfill this for me and it just wasn't happening. And I was there weeping and my, the cry of my heart was, 
God, are you a good father? Are you the one to come or should I expect someone else? And I think we see a lot of ourselves in John when we're in times where we're in grit and suffering and there's no superhero coming to rescue us. Our God, are you a good father? God, are you a good father? So Jesus responds to John's doubt by saying, look at what I've done. You can make conclusions. You know the scriptures. I come in grace now. Judgment will come later. That fiery kingdom that you're expecting, that is happening in a way that is spiritual at the moment. And when I was praying as well, I felt God um, say to me, Look at what I've done. Look at how I've been faithful in your life. I am a good father. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing right now. He's saying, John, look at what I'm doing and look at who I am. So Jesus dismisses John's disciples and they carry back to their master a challenge for John to now respond to what Jesus has said. And um, classically, Jesus always just tucks on a little um, challenge at the end of whatever he says, and we get to this last verse. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. When I read this, I honestly did not know what it meant. In a few other translations, blessed is anyone who does not um, take offense at me, Blesses anyone who is not caused to stumble because of me. Blesses anyone who does not fall away because of me. But what does this mean? Are are we offended at Jesus when he doesn't meet our expectations? The Jews certainly were. They were offended by all means that Jesus wasn't what they were expecting the Messiah to be. And in a way, they did fall away. Rather, maybe expectation is the root of all offence. Maybe that's a better way to look at it. But this word and this, this blessing had rebuke and warning in it as well. Blessed is anyone who takes no offence at me. Blessed is anyone who sees what Jesus is doing and is not offended. Sometimes we often are offended because Jesus is not who we expect him to be and he doesn't do things in our life. But rather, we should consider Jesus not as our superhero, but as our God. A God who is sovereign, a God who loves us, and a God whose ways and works are higher than we could ever comprehend. Even though Jesus did not rescue John out of prison, he did not overcome the Romans, I feel like this challenge to John was Jesus saying, John, just have faith, it's okay. You'll be blessed because you trust the work that I'm doing, even though you can't see the full impact of everything. 
So in the same way, that is a challenge to us. Blessed is anyone who has no expectations of Jesus. Blessed is anyone who sees him for who he is. And blessed is anyone who sees the work of God and wants to join in. A a scholar commented that perhaps this was John's encouragement to realign himself to the mission of God. And I think that's true. The moment we take away our expectations of of how we think Jesus should be operating, operating, we somehow begin to look at him and align ourselves to what he is doing and how he does things. The list of things that he was doing, they were gentle. They were small little acts for little people. And I think that is totally what he is calling us into, to take away all expectation and just to be the people of Christ in this world. So we need to have faith in Jesus when, we see, when it seems like he is not acting like the Messiah or when he's not acting like the superhero. I feel like I personally need to repent of the ways that I've expected Jesus to be acting in my life. Maybe you do too as you've been sitting here today. I feel like we also need to see Jesus for who he is. He's not our superhero, he is our God. Um, I remember asking mum um, <laughs> about <laughs> the, the early stages of mum and dad dating and um, mum was saying as soon, um, mum was expecting dad to be this, this super boyfriend, this husband of um, within three weeks <laughs> and then as soon as that expectation wasn't working out, I remember mum saying, as soon as I just realised he was my friend, the relationship started to grow. As soon as mum saw dad for who he was as his friend, as her friend, that's when the relationship grew and their life started to change. So in that way, we need to see Jesus for who he is, that he is our God and that the ways that he works are too too magnificent for us. And it's also a good comment from the sermon that Jesus is at work and he's doing things the way that we don't expect him to work. So as you go back into your week, I encourage you to take a moment to pray, to, to see, to look, to see what Jesus is doing that you've missed to see the little things that he's working on, the people that he's drawing into your life. What are the little things of his kingdom that he's bringing into this world? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for, for John the Baptist's father. We thank you that this story is included in the scripture, Father, that it comforts us, Lord, in our doubt. Lord, I pray that um, as John was, Lord, he was still hungry to know. He was still crying out to you, Lord. His heart was still aching. So, Father, I pray that we can direct um, our broken expectation back to you, Lord. And I ask that you will 
redefine that, Lord, and reshape that so that we might be more aware of what you are doing, Lord, and of who you are and how we can join in in what you are doing, Lord. Be with us this week, Father, um, and teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. At Windsor Road Baptist Church, we believe that God is calling us to be a Christ-centered, healing, serving, international community, maintaining unity, valuing diversity and growing in maturity in Christ. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church. God bless you.